Welcome back to Forbidden Knowledge News. I'm your host, Chris Matthew. Tonight, I want to welcome Dan Willis. He is one of the Disclosure Project's top secret military witnesses that testified at the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. in 2001 in front of the major mainstream media of the world. He is an ex-radio broadcast engineer and ABC newsman and has taken a keen interest in how the mainstream media has withheld disclosure of the full message to the public. He works to expose a system that is used to control the public's perception that forms our agreed-upon reality. This is done in order to hide their illegal operations and also why they fear disclosing the truth about the extraterrestrial reality. Dan, welcome. How are you tonight? Oh, good to be on your show, Chris. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We've got a lot to talk about. Um, I'd like to start off by saying uh, something that one of my friend Jim Goodall told me. I'm sure you know Jim. Ben Rich of Lockheed Martin supposedly uh, told him on his deathbed, Jim, we have things out in the desert that are 50 years beyond what you can comprehend. If you've seen it on Star Wars or Star Trek, we've been there, done that, or decided it wasn't worth the effort. Now, these types of things are kept from the public through various compartmentalized black projects. <laughs> and I believe even if you're involved with these, the right hand probably doesn't know what the left hand is doing. And that's exactly the way that they want it. Uh, so, Dan, let's start with a little bit more about your background and what got you involved with the Disclosure Project. Well, when I was in the United States Navy um, back in 1969, that was a long time ago, um, I was uh, working at the Naval Communications Station in San Francisco. I was a certified high-speed coder operator. We had a top-secret crypto level 14 uh, clearance, so I could get into just about all the areas. Uh, one day, I received a message from a uh, ship off the coast of Alaska, where the crew visually witnessed coming off Port Bowie, brightly glowing uh, disc that was about 70 feet in diameter, it's glowing reddish orange. It uh, merged out of the ocean, and then it shot straight up uh, space. The radar operator on the, on the ship tracked it going over 7,000 miles per hour, this was uh, secret classified going uh, priority level, going to the chief naval operations in Washington, D.C. Uh, it all stuck in my mind, you know. So this, is, this event that happened back in 1969 has always made me wonder, um, <laughs> you know, if uh, the chief of naval operation knows there's uh, these disks coming in and out of the ocean. And I find out that I thought it was an unusual event, Chris. I find out that the Soviet uh, uh, naval intelligence, uh, naval intelligences around the planet, uh, thousands of reports of uh, disks coming in and out of our ocean. Um, you know, either you know they have uh, deep under ocean bases, or um, they're extraterrestrial, or they're military, or joint ET military. I don't know, but there's obviously. Uh, back when I, um, you know, you get thrown in 10 years in prison for breaking national security oaths, uh, because of Jan up 146, uh, anybody that's in the military that reveals this stuff, they can go to prison. Uh, it wasn't until just recently that the Navy has changed its reporting protocols that it's okay now, you know, to report an extraterrestrial craft, but it hasn't been that way. 
all all the way going back to 1954. Yeah, definitely. And you know, this this press club event, it it was it got very little coverage um as opposed to what you thought it was going to be, right? The uh <laughs> you know, being an ex ABC newsman, you know, and uh you know, and reading off the reports from uh UPI and AP and everything when I was in uh you know, radio and broadcasting. I had no idea who at the highest level is actually forming the text and everything on this stuff. When I went to Washington and, you know, I'm sitting up there, there I am, <laughs> uh, with all these witnesses, uh, many breaking national security oaths, you know, captains in the Air Force, you know, we're revealing bases on the other side of the moon, nukes being shut down, we've had zero point energy for decades, CIA directors and presidents being denied access, um, you know, just incredible 57 different species already been categorized by 1989 that we've already have alien reproduction vehicles that could go faster than the speed of light you know all of this i couldn't imagine you know looking at all these witnesses looking at it was the largest event in the history of the national press club there's 22 cameras of all the major media in the back row i'm looking at this and i'm saying oh my god you know after today the world is not going to be the same if all this information gets out to the public, but <laughs> after uh, you know being on on all the networks, uh, you know CNN, you know CBS came and did a uh, uh, you know a private interview with me, and I told them, look, I'm not willing to do this interview unless I can state that we have the scientists within these unacknowledged special access programs, these black projects that can prove, you know, put it before an open congressional hearing that we have zero point energy. We don't need these dangerous obsolete technologies of nuclear oil or coal. We haven't needed them for decades. Um, and basically the only thing I asked to say is that we have these scientists, it was like a very short 10 second statement. They interviewed me for 45 minutes. The uh, producer of the show she was almost in tears she said i know i promised you know they came all the way down from la to interview me all that time and i told them i'm not doing this unless i can say that uh she said i'm sorry the higher executives made me cut that part out and being an ex-abc newsman i started finding it curious and i i traveled across the united states with dr greer in major cities we rented huge halls we had the executive briefing video had standing ovations every place without exception uh, after the 2001 event on May 9th. Uh, they, they, they sanitized it or make, made fun of it. And what the CIA calls a limited hangout. In other words, it's a way to uh, sanitize some information, but you're still uh, technically covering it. For example, um, all this explosive testimony, of which any one of them, if the public got to hear what was what was saying in the little CNN one-minute clip, uh, what you know, it 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 would uh, it it effectively sanitized it because what they said, oh, is there is there life on other planets? Some witnesses think they have proof there is. 
you know, Elaine T. Hanna explains, and they go on like this, you know, uh, and, and they say they have documents and things, despite the criticism from skeptics. And so what they do is they very, there's psychological think tanks that the CIA works with. There's six corporations that control all the media that we see and hear um, are coordinated uh, at the yearly Bilderberg meetings. And these are coordinated in such a way that billions of dollars in psychological engineering of our consent and our perceptions are given to these uh, news reporters that we watch on the evening news that they read on their teleprompters. And so what they did to effectively sanitize this is they made it sound like uh, we wanted to have a congressional hearing on the reality of UFOs. And this was May 9th, 2001. That was four months before the 9-11 event. Uh, which was one of the things that we disclosed that it was a future false flag event that was being planned, uh, interestingly enough. Yes, that is very interesting. Now, um, let's talk about um, a little bit about where this control uh, control structure began and when. Um, I mean, we can go back to ancient times, but I'm talking about this modern control uh, structure that probably began sometime after World War II uh, involving Project Paperclip, and it probably culminated uh, with um, Eisenhower being shut out of all the black projects, right? Absolutely spot on, Chris. Um, and what happened was the Nazis had a plan before the end of World War II. They knew they were losing the war. Uh, they had developed anti-gravity uh, in 1934. The United States did not develop anti-gravity secretly until October of 1954, a whole 20-year uh, advance that they had. And what their plan was was called Velikenschallenskrieg, which translates to worldview warfare. They planned to infiltrate into the United States, control our media, control our entertainment, control our education, which they did in 1946. Rockefeller completely rewrote the history for future students of history, what happened at the end of World War II, you know, omitting the uh, Nazi escape and <laughs> infiltration, you know. Um, and so what happened was, uh, with the help of Alan Dulles and other um, elements, they uh, effectively infiltrated in what happened was with Eisenhower, um, He's looking for plausible deniability, and so he had his vice president, Nelson Rockefeller, restructure the CIA MJ-12 operations. And so from that point forward, uh, the operations were being done over at Wright-Patterson. They moved them all over to Area 51 and S-4. Uh, Eisenhower realized that he had made a mistake, that we had lost control to our constitutional government, uh, he attempted to gain access once they had moved their operations to uh, Area 51. Uh, they denied him access. and uh, It wasn't until he threatened to go in with the First Army to invade the place that uh, he allowed two agents to go over to see what was going on. And there was extraterrestrials there, reverse engineering craft. And so these operations have been um, in unacknowledged special access programs that uh, it doesn't matter who you are, you presidents, head of CIA, uh, head of intelligence, it doesn't matter who you are, you don't gain access to these programs. Uh, 
And uh, what happened was um, uh, Brigadier General Stephen Lovkin was on Eisenhower's staff, and he was aware that he had lost control to the corporations. Now, you know, everybody remembers his famous farewell speech talking about, you know, to take nothing for granted, uh, beware of the misplaced powers and warranted influences uh, connected with the industrial military complex, and that only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry, that's your listeners out there, um, will help uh, safeguard our future liberties and freedoms. What happened was, uh, essentially, Eisenhower was forced into a surrender. they had advanced technology that they uh, obviously, uh, when Forrestal sent uh, Admiral Byrd down there, he was defeated trying to take out the Nazi base down there. And also there was a flyover in 1952 over the Washington, intimidating Truman and the Eisenhower administration both. So what happened was um, Eisenhower... Uh, being a five-star general in his wisdom, he, um, according to uh, some witness testimonies, that uh, a secret uh, executive order was put into place. Besides a secret executive order that put a whole new MJ-12 operation together of all new elements with, of all people, Alan Dulles is MJ-1, the head of MJ-12. Um, what he did was he set up a secret U.S. Marine Corps intelligence unit that would act as an institutional safeguard in the future if these rogue uh, infiltrated Nazi elements ever completely take over our, our government and it would become active in the future. Uh, it's my speculation that uh, the 9-11 event crossed the line and uh, today uh, we're because of the complete control of the mainstream media outlets, um, QAnon, which the you can you can always tell by who the mainstream media supports and who the mainstream media tries to discredit or ignores, and they're definitely on the attack on, on QAnon because it's essentially a back channel to try to communicate to the general public to let them know that military operations are underway. And you can tell that by the uh, secret executive orders, not secret, the executive orders that are open to everybody can see them, that Trump has done, you know, of uh, seizing assets, anybody doing human rights abuse or uh, corruption, which is, you know, read anybody in the cabal is involved in one of those two. Um, And changes to the Uniform Code of Military Justice, allowing uh, these people to be tried under military tribunal. And, you know, expanding Guantanamo Bay and uh, not to mention 100,000 sealed indictments that have all, all this is going on in the background while, you know, while we're watching the evening news and all the other stuff going on. And, uh, and so... What happened was, ever since Eisenhower lost control, getting back to your original question, what brought about this whole uh, disclosure project, um, what happened was, once Eisenhower lost control, uh, Kennedy tried to gain access. Uh, Alan Dulles refused him access to the MJ-12 operations. In fact, he wrote an assassination directive 
uh, it was called the burn memo. It was snatched out of James Jesus Angleton's uh, counterintelligence burn pile that basically uh, laid out a uh, program called uh, Project Environment, which uh, basically said if uh, you couldn't get any further cooperation in Washington, then, uh, you know, assassination would be in order. You know, in other words, uh, in a cryptic way, you know, saying uh, it'll, it'll, you know, wet, you know, wet like blood. Uh, and so they uh, took down Kennedy. Uh, LBJ got in place uh, because of that. Kennedy was going to stop the Vietnam War. I had to go to combat action in Vietnam uh, back in 1970. Uh, after, after Kennedy, uh, years go by, uh, President Carter actually had a UFO experience and actually put a report out for it. Uh, he tried to um he tried to gain access uh george hw bush george bush senior uh denied a sitting president access to these files um years later um of all people uh you wouldn't associate the name rockefeller but lawrence rockefeller wanted to have disclosure and have the clinton administration look into it uh, Bill Clinton, uh, who you know, famously said to Sarah McClendon, his uh, White House correspondent, that uh, in regards to why aren't you doing anything for disclosures, uh, Sarah, there's a secret government in the government and I don't control it. He had a CIA director, James Woolsey, trying to gain access. The CIA director was denied access. So a very frustrated CIA director brought in a civilian uh, Dr. Stephen Greer was the uh, president of the Center for the Study of Extraterrestrial Intelligence. He brought a huge stack of documents proving this reality. The words out of the mouth of the CIA director was, I know the subject's real. I'm trying to figure out why the hell I can't gain access to it. And so this is what's happened ever since February 1955 when Eisenhower lost control. Um, so... Dr. Greer met with military advisors. They decided, you know, not just to get, you know, a dozen witnesses. Uh, they get hundreds of witnesses. So they've collected about uh, 450 witnesses. I was the 100th videotape witness. My testimony was one of the least explosive testimonies of there. I actually filled in for um, uh, one of the other witnesses that didn't make it. Um, so. At the big turning point uh, that happened was, um, you know, interestingly enough, you know, I was uh, happened to be near Area 51 in 1993 when uh, there was a meeting outside the base and a small group of researchers such as myself, I've been researching since 1969, you know, trying to piece this together, why this whole thing happened. Um, the first time Robert Lazar went public, you know, he was a scientist over at S4 doing reverse engineering. Um, no camera recording was allowed whatsoever. And I, I was sitting in front row and I recorded the full two hours. And you can, if you go to the, the, web, blah, 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 the webmatrix.net in the 1993 timeline, you can see the full interview. He's talking about, you know, Operation Looking Glass and all the different operations that are going on there. But what's uh, significant about this is that the base, Nellis base, uh, put out a NRO, that's a National Reconnaissance Office, uh, 
security advisory to telling everybody at Area 51 that you know the base is locked down, not to interact, or else you'll have disciplinary disciplinary procedures. Anybody that communicates these people. There was a meeting that they had prior that this happened and that this document happened to get into the hands of uh, Dr. Stephen Greer through one of his contacts. In 1997, him along with uh, his military advisor, Commander Will Miller in the Navy, and uh, astronaut Edgar Mitchell met at the Pentagon with the head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff Vice Admiral Thomas Wilson. He was shown the, this on this distribution list. It happened to disclose what the names were of these unacknowledged special access pro- projects, uh, such as Cosmic Ops, Magi Ops, and, and so forth. Uh, the Admiral looked into this. The Admiral was denied access to this, and he was pissed. He told Dr. Greer, if you can get your people together and go before the mainstream media of the world and talk on record, you know, in other words, willing, each one of us, by the way, after we gave our testimony, stated that we were willing to testify under oath, that's penalty of perjury, before an open congressional hearing. Each one of us stated that. And so that is the long and short, you could say, of what brought about the May 9th, 2001 National Press Club that was effectively sanitized by our controlled mainstream media. Very good. And um, we were also discussing a little bit of the the history behind everything. And I want to go back to that as well for a minute. Um, I want to go before World War II, the Nazis and the Thule Society, you know, we hear that they were channeling the information to to, be, to reverse engineer these ships themselves. Now, do you think they were actually working uh, physically with these extraterrestrials? And what types of beings, if so, were they working with? Well, we know that they were getting channeling. Um, you know, without being there, you can't really say, you know, if they were like Nordic beings within their group. Uh, Maria Orsic, who was head of the Viral Society that was channeling uh, this information back in 1919, from the Alberian constellation that were giving these, these designs for a design for a craft that could warp time around it. Uh, her, Maria Orsic's father shared these channeled writings with Professor W.O. Schumann, who was a professor at Munich, and he, he was just the right man to share it with. He found there was viable physics in this, and so they started working on the, the virile craft which they were able to successfully fly the craft in 1934. Um, but what happened was, uh, you know, you know, Hitler came in power in 1933, and so the Himmler and the Nazi SS, you know, wanted to take over this whole operation. Um, you know, um, but they were... The Viral Society was basically uh, benevolent, uh, you know, doing things for a positive future for mankind versus, you know, the Nazis. Uh, they were working with a Nordic race that are, look like us, only they look uh, rather Nordic looking. Uh, unlike uh, what the, uh, from according to witnesses like William Tompkins, who's a well-documented witness, there was... Uh, 
a reptilian race that uh, the Nazis had entered into an agreement with down in uh, Antarctica that was getting all this uh, amazing advanced technology. And that's why uh, they were able to defeat Admiral Byrd when he went down there with a full military armada to uh, attack the Nazi base. Now, uh, we move forward uh, into some of these black projects. And one of the, I, I believe, probably the biggest tool that is being used against uh, the American people is the mainstream media. Um, Absolutely. And now we have social media as a, as a secondary tool. It's becoming more of a primary tool. But I think those two in conjunction are like the main uh, control matrix that is keeping uh, everybody's mind locked down right now. But there is an awakening. Uh, there's a kickback going on right now. But, uh, you know, I'd like to get your thoughts on, you know, the media. We had, you know, Project Mockingbird, so many um, black projects associated with the media and mind control that have been implemented uh, since the 50s. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Alan Dulles was infamous for not only for MK Ultra, but uh, he started in 1950 Operation Mockingbird, where they had 400 paid journalists by the by the CIA that uh, give them information to look like it's coming from independent sources. And uh, some of the brave witnesses, as unfortunately he died, uh, they're, they're called uh, unofficial covers, where if they're revealed that they're actually being given information from the CIA and they're, you know, basically working for the CIA uh, and being paid by them, they have to disavow any knowledge of that. So it's, it's been a network that they've set up for, for quite some time. In fact, uh, the DARPA LifeLog program back in, uh, I think it was February 2004, converted the exact same day they shut down into Facebook uh, the CIA basically um, helped fund start, you know, Google, which is, owns YouTube. Um, and so they had their mitts in this way ahead of time because they could see that they were going to need to, um, you know, through ju certain justifications, start censoring people, uh, have fact checkers that, uh, in other, they have to control the perception, you know, as, uh, Snowden, which, you know, Q doesn't actually, uh, reveal that he wasn't actually a white hat, he's more of a black hat, but he revealed all the different, uh, you know, GCHQ, all the different tactics that they use in order to manipulate people's perceptions. The whole thing is, uh, you know, like William Binney, you know, the, head codebreaker for the NSA, you know, said, you know, it's nothing about uh, terrorism or anything. It's all about, you know, population control. It's about controlling the perceptions of the masses. And it seems that there's different factions within factions that are kind of competing for control, uh, for control, for our minds, for control against perception and just power in general. Um, it seems like there's different agendas uh, kind of at war behind the scenes. Is this something that you see? Oh, no question about a war behind the scenes going on. Um, you know, we only see the, the surface effects of that war and we, um, and we get a very, uh, you know, look at look at our population, how divided it is, you know, uh, politically, uh, race, 
religion. Uh, they want to keep the public divided because if people start, and the, the, the good thing we have, you know, I was listening to one of the other shows, how you're aware of the, uh, how the, our collective consciousness, we are all interfaced into a, a collective mind. And then they can't, they can't censor that, you know, they can't control that. And, you know, it's scientifically proven that that's, that's true. You know, just like in the insect and animal world, there's like a hive mind. You know, humans have a similar hive mind. That's why people can come up with similar inventions and things uh, on one side of the planet and on the other side. You know, in fact, uh, ever since the Invention Secrecy Act of uh, 1951, you know, thousands of inventors and scientists. I spent 10 years, Chris, after a congressional hearing was denied to bring the scientists forth. I volunteered because I have a technical background. I worked with the Navy in electronics for a long time, as broadcast engineer, and also worked uh, with IBM's head scientist in a very unconventional laboratory researching the uh, interface between geometry and consciousness. Um, what I spent 10 years doing was uh, meeting with scientists and inventors all over the planet that claimed to have over-unity uh, type energy devices and uh after 10 years of uh of, you know murders suicides uh most of them receiving what's called a, a national security order which basically states that your invention has been deemed to be a detriment to the national security of the united states therefore you cannot share it with anyone or else severe penalties uh most of the scientists that i know of received one of these or you know like one in the dominican republic they had a i went down there with professor loiter and we were looking at it and uh it's like 500 watts were just being produced so less than one watt going out um it went fly back down there and uh the inventor had taken it all apart disassembled it. i was there to uh blueprint it out and we were going to send it via multiple postal ways in case we get whacked on the way back we'd be able to have the design um what uh he said was two agents that identified themselves from the cia anyway i don't i can't say whether it's true or not but they, they told him this works you're dead and so he disassembled the whole thing and that, that's just one story and i can go into so many stories on that but essentially they have kept our planet technologically hijacked going all the way back um, to at least 1951. Now, speaking of that, um, we have technologies that are essentially 50, maybe more years ahead of what the public sees right now. Um, and it's, you know, like, um, like Ben Rich said, it's tied up in all these black projects. Do you think that, with everything going on, you know, like there's there's this war that you said is possibly going on behind the scenes. Do you think that we will ever see any of these free energy technologies, anything that's locked up in black projects right now uh, in our lifetime? If we can, if we can, uh, and we are, <laughs> uh, taking these people who are in positions of of power in our different structures and they've been doing you notice how many uh 
you know, FBI and the different elements have all been resigning and, and people stepping down and all this stuff. You need to clean house first before uh, we can release this or else you're still going to have the corrupt elements that are maintaining uh, the stranglehold on all this. But uh, yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, they have not only, not only anti-gravity and free energy, which we need to release zero point energy because if we ever get a CME from the sun or an EMP attack, um, it would basically fry our grid. Uh, millions of people would perish because all everything would be shut down. It wouldn't have anything. Uh, but if we can start mass production of these, and we can do that, and it may be affordable for every home and business to have a little small device about the size of a shoebox They'll power all the kilowatts you need, totally clean, non-polluting. Uh, and we can completely recycle all these ugly wires that are run all across our planet and do something else with them. Um, that would, uh, you know, it's one thing we need to do is harden the grid, you know, with uh, surge suppression, diverters and stuff, because we get that, that influx coming in. The, the transformers will explode and, you know, just everything will... Uh, <laughs> you know, it wouldn't be good. Uh, so, you know, that's another reason why we should release these technologies. But, you know, the, uh, you know, like uh, J.P. Morgan says, you know, if I, I don't want to see it if I can't put a meter on it. And uh, you and I were discussing this before we started, um, you know, speaking of false flag events and um, these distraction operations. I was asking you what your thoughts on the coronavirus is. And um, you have a take on it that it, it's probably maybe a deep, the last ditch deep state effort to kind of hold on to control. Can't say for certain. A lot of very, very suspicious elements going on with the whole, uh, you know, anybody who researches this sees the connections with these people in China and, and the, and the, viral weapons lab over there in China in the same Wuhan city and Wuhan being the, just happens to be the 5g test city that they're doing. Uh, there's just a whole lot of suspicious elements. You can't really say for sure, but it's important to pay attention to suspicious elements. And it does appear that, uh, you know, we have, uh, you know, William Barr uh, working with uh, John Huber, and he's got 470 investigators that are investigating a whole lot of people. We've got Admiral Mike Rogers in charge of the N White Hats are in charge of the NSA. And so they basically, um, you know, they, they have the goods on everybody. And so I think what's happening is uh, just before all this comes out, which appears to be uh, probably pretty soon, uh, you know, they are uh, like a dangerous animal backed into the corner and I'm liable to play any card that they have. Yeah, it's uh, there's definitely some nefarious things uh, being played around this coronavirus, whether it was intentionally released or not. They're using it, you know, in for to push agendas. That's 100 percent sure, uh, at least what I can see. Um, now, I want to get back to the secret space program. Um, how far do you think it goes? Do you think we currently have operations on the moon and possibly on Mars? Well, 
you know, according to witness testimonies that they, and, you know, what I do is I look back and, you know, it wasn't, it was like the beginning of 2014, Chris, that I started to really dig in and research because some media company out of Hollywood, knowing I was an ABC newsman and a, and a witness, they wanted me to write, me of all people, a terrible writer, uh, to write an article on the media control. And I wrote an article called Who Controls the Agreed Upon Reality Through the Mainstream Media and Why They Fear Disclosing the Truth About the Extraterrestrial Reality. And, and so as I started to dig back, basing as a foundational structure, you know, because anybody can write anything on the internet, you know, you can just pull it out of, you know, where, you know. Um, so I based my, my research on of the hundreds of witnesses that I've, uh, you know, I, I, some of them I know and I'm familiar with their testimonies. Uh, I've researched documents that have been authenticated. And you put all these witness testimonies together and look at it, do it chronologically. That's how I, in order for me to try to understand what I became involved with and what this whole thing, why it is doing what it's doing, why we are in the state our world is today, I had to go back to the year 1900 to present day and start plugging in things along the timeline with documents and witness testimonies to try to get a um, try to get a larger picture of what how this whole thing came about. And I'm sorry, what was the question again? I mean, to go I was asking if uh, you know how de- how deep you think our uh, secret space program goes. If we possibly have operations currently on the moon or on Mars. Well, apparently, you know, the uh, the Nazis got a moon base going up there around 1942. Uh, it was later uh, that uh, joint operations, uh, you know, got operations going on Mars. Uh, you've got uh, two witnesses that, uh, you know, I mean, you have a lot of secret space program witnesses, but they don't. They can't really provide any documentation. They can't really, uh, you know, the, it, it's a hard one to prove to say, you know, I was in, I was recruited using this Nordic technology that I did 20 years duty service on another timeline. They brought me back and, uh, you know, and it's a far reach for people to wrap their head around that considering our current state of technology that such things exist. But you've got two witnesses that, uh, hard to deny. One was uh, after the uh, 2001 event that I partaked in, uh, it inspired a uh, hacker in the UK, Gary McKinnon, who hacked into the uh, Space Command, and they've got a photo of a huge cigar-shaped ship uh, talking about uh, Operation Solar Warden, we have uh, non-terrestrial officers, fleet-to-fleet transfers. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, they, the Bush administration wanted to put him away for 70 years in prison. Uh, he had no reason whatsoever to lie about this. And then you have who came out uh, in the year uh, 2001, the same year that the press conference, uh, William Tompkins, who was in the Navy, working with a uh, spy program, got permission from uh, Admiral uh, Hugh Webster, 
who uh, looked at all the documentation that he had in his book, wanted to make sure there was nothing uh, classified that could go. And he told William, you know, Bill, tell it all. Don't leave anything out. It's most important to the future of our country. And William Tompkins, you know, I worked with Dr. Michael Sell on, on some of this, trying to locate, uh, interestingly enough, my father worked at the... Uh, uh, Naval Air Station in San Diego back in the in the 40s, back when uh, Tompkins was meeting with these Navy spies that were embedded, 29 of them over in Nazi Germany that were bringing back this information and hieroglyphics and things that were of the, uh, you know, the, the Draco Federation was supplying uh, to the Nazis, these Navy, these young Navy spies were coming back with this information. He would be sitting with the secretaries and he'd be typing this stuff up. And his main job was to, uh, to fly. And, uh, Dr. Sala was able to go through a freedom of information, uh, act and was able to find the, uh, the travel chits that he used to fly to like McDonnell Douglas and other corporations where they were, we were 20 years behind the Nazis. We were attempting to catch up. We were trying to understand the technologies that they had. Uh, and William Tompkins has a lot of backup documentation to uh, substantiate his claims. So those are the two people, I would say, uh, a rock solid as far as, you know, that there is indeed a secret space program going on. What are your thoughts on uh, what's going on recently with, I guess you could say, disclosure? Um, it's a kind of uh, controlled disclosure that I don't really trust. Um, the TTSA and um, some of the information coming out of there, um, some of the recent leaks that have come out, um, you have to look at the source and, and question it, but I'd like to get your take on it. Well, interesting you bring that up. Um, uh, Dr. Michael Sala uh, had a new post that he on exopolitics.org about a U.S. Air Force intelligence officer that basically claimed that the Tic Tac, you know, of the 2004 Nimitz incident where they saw this uh, 40-foot uh, giant Tic Tac, I guess you could say, was darting around doing uh, maneuvers that, you know, just off the scale. Um, is actually uh, a U.S. Air Force secret space program that was working in collaboration with the United States Navy, and they were testing out their radar. Of course, the sailors and everybody didn't know what the hell was going on. They just figured it was extraterrestrial. Apparently, something with Luis Elizondo there and the advanced aerial threat uh, identification system, whatever it is, the AATIP, I think it is. Um, they um, they basically, again, remember I said earlier, I said, it's important to pay attention to who, now if you consider the mainstream media is infiltrated heavily and has, uh, is running by an agenda that is not set for the, uh, the benefit for the people of the United States, um, that what happened was, when the New York Times, one of the head, you know, along with CNN, Washington Post, and several others, of all their controlled outlets, all of a sudden got saturated with, uh, with the uh, Nimitz incident of 2004. 
about the Navy pilots and seeing this stuff in every single media outlet across the board. And, and you're talking dozens and dozens of them, the, the mainstream media outlets. So that even covering it for two or three days. And so that essentially, your, even your grandmother knows about UFOs being acknowledged by our, our government. But, um, but then again, and you get so much support. Then they come out then on the History Channel with the uh, series called Unidentified. And all throughout the narrative, if you've probably watched some of the episodes, the word threat, the UFO threat, is like continually propagated to put the mind of the threat. And we know from... Um, you know, along the line, how would a threat uh, serve an agenda? Well, back in uh, 1967, it was a report from Iron Mountain that leaked, and they talked about contriving a threat from outer space for, in order to do the agenda. LBJ hit the roof, clad it classified for all time. Uh, 1977, Werner von Braun talked about uh, the future false flag programs. There was, uh, first it was the Soviets, which we find out that the whole Soviet thing was, uh, when you consider that uh, you have uh, General Reinhard Gellin, who they brought in with Alan Dulles into the CIA with 3,000 Nazi spies, they had all the intelligence on the, uh, on the Soviets, right? And we didn't have that. Truman was scared of the Soviets. And so what they cleverly did, they hid all their intelligence into um, these sealed glass containers up in the Bavarian mountains to use it as a bargaining chip to bring all these Nazi spies into our CIA. And not to mention they rewrote, gave new paperwork for everybody, paper, even people who were classified as a, a definite threat and menace to our society, like Werner von Braun and others. Uh, he was basically uh, given new paperwork, and they all were brought in. And so what was happening was they were giving false estimates about the Soviets all the time, because this way, and it was Alan Dulles who pushed Truman to convert the, uh, the old wartime OSS into the CIA. And so they could justify bringing in all this money <laughs> all the billions and dollars in order to uh, fight the Soviet threat, you know. Then you have, uh, oh, what was after that? Uh, you know, eventually, you know, on, on May 9th, 2001, was just before the terrorist event, which was one of the events that they planned uh, with a, ending in an uh, extraterrestrial threat. And then in, uh, in 2016... Uh, because Hillary was afraid she was going to be losing the election. Anonymous leaked a Benson strategy group working with the Clinton Foundation that was going to use Project Firesign, I believe, which is basically a holographic technology. They estimated all these different things because they knew uh, Trump was going to win. Uh, and so they needed to have some kind of huge... Uh, tactic in order to distract these people from going to the voting and so they had viruses they had a, the one that got the highest percentage was like 38 percent was uh, an attack from extraterrestrials can you believe it or not and so this little um and we know they have the technology to pull this off you know so this has been a common theme through this whole thing so i I look at the whole Tom DeLonge uh, to the Stars Academy with you know all 
you know, all these people who were, uh, you know, CIA, Air Force, uh, Lockheed, um, you know, when you know very well, as you mentioned earlier, you know, uh, you know, Ben Rich said, uh, you know, anything you can imagine, you know, we don't already know how to do. So why are they asking for money for research and development? You know, so if it's, uh, if you have these, these things that, uh, you know, they say would take an act of God in order to get it out to benefit humanity. Yes, definitely. Um, it's, it's very sad that we could have all this access to free energy, that we could be thriving as a planet right now with just even access if we would have gone along the lines of the technologies Tesla was working on. Um, you know, we could have a much better way of life uh, right now. Um, but for the last few minutes that we have, I know you have had actually some personal um, experiences besides the UFO encounter. Isn't that right? Yes. Back in 1977, I had an uh, interesting encounter with a being that conveyed uh, an amazing experience of the Kundalini opening about geometry and consciousness that led me to seek out the head scientist at IBM who was uh, working with the structuring of water and quartz crystals and cutting them. Uh, he set up a whole laboratory of electron microscope, uh, Dr. Marcel Vogel. Uh, you can see my lab notes on that at marcelvogel.org. Um, uh, amazing stuff. I even handled the metal crystal samples that were given to Billy Meyer. We were analyzing those to see if they were of earthly origin or not, and they were not. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but who knows? There was a whole bunch of things that happened in the 50s that uh, indicates that you know, the Nazis were seeing how easily we could be fooled and uh, you know, pretending to be you know, space brothers from Venus, and, but they were actually uh, Nazis from Antarctica. Well, could you take us through that experience and tell us uh, a little bit about, you know, what exactly happened with this being? Well, as I, uh, I had my eyes closed and I had uh, millions of volts going through my hands and feet. And this being, incredible loving energy coming from its eyes, huge, one of those, <laughs> I didn't even know what a gray looked like back then, you know, uh, it is 1977, you know, this is a lot of this is where you just at me. your home or, or uh... at my home. Um, uh, and uh, a lady who I was going out with, she owned a metaphysical bookstore. She was meant to put me through a past life regression and things just went a whole different direction. Uh, but the thing that's curious about this is that I never studied geometry. I didn't know anything about geometry, uh, you know, in high school or anything. Uh, and as I observed this, this being projected a sphere in space, and as I observed the sphere, a geometry formed inside the sphere and it looked like a, a six pointed star. And later I'm thinking, you know, oh yeah, it's like a star tetrahedron. And then another pattern fit into that one. And then another one went into that one. And then, and it kept on going into infinity. And then it turned back into a, a perfect sphere again. And um, the being was, con you know, this is, this is some type of alien high-speed download or something. I don't know. You know, I'm, I, you know it could be um, 
metamorphic, uh, that's the right word, uh, but basically it's conveying that through love, we evolve from one frequency geometry. In, in actuality, we're all a perfect sphere. We're all connected as in a matrix. And that through, we can become aware of the subharmonic levels of the geometry, but not of the higher levels until we evolve and encompass that. And, and the vehicle of, of love is how we do that. And afterward, I, I was left with this burning desire to try to understand everything I could about geometry. And I started getting into books and I started seeing, you know, what every high school kid knows about platonic solids and how they fit one into the other. And I was saying, all of a sudden, this is like, oh my God, you know. This is exactly what the, what the being was conveying. And then it was, uh, you know, when I was meeting with scientists and inventors, there was a, um, a meeting in 2001 in San Francisco with uh, a number of scientists that had their projects shut down. People come in with electric motorcycles with night vision goggles and shut down their lab. Uh, so a, a group of scientists, one of the scientists, his name was Nassim Hairimin. And um, I... You know, he was showing me on his laptop. We were sitting in this home in San Francisco with these. Uh, Dr. Greer arranged the meeting, and he was showing me his energy device. And I, out of, I just felt like uh, I wanted to share with him uh, my experience. And I explained it in detail to him, and he says, "Yes, that's it. That's exactly it. That's the structure." You know, of course. In 2001, I didn't have an understanding. As many years later, I started understanding, researching uh, science connected with the geometry of, of matter, the atomic structures, the planets, the, uh, the, the geometries within all the heavenly bodies. And, you know, the whole thing is so... Um, if you go to marcelvogel.org, you can click on, and I... I put basically a, a listing of all the connections of that that experience that triggered me into research work with uh, Dr. Vogel back in 1977. Very odd, bizarre experience, but it, um, it definitely uh, put a burning passion in to try to understand what this is about. Definitely. Um, and for the last few minutes you have, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more uh, about the research that you did uh, with Dr. Marcel Vogel? Well, um, well, we, we found that uh, it gets into kind of a, you know, there's a thing called uh, 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 angular harmonic resonance that happens between the molecular structure of uh, water and quartz that uh, both water and quartz have hexagonal and tetrahedral geometries, and there's a transfer between them. I mean, I can, this would go into, it's enough for another whole another show, but uh, for example, we ever go to a, a winery that had this rot gut wine and was able to put the finished process of a, of a high quality wine by transferring it, by spinning around the crystal, uh, this wine that, uh, was this rotgut wine that after it got done, he did thousands of gallons and it won a California award. It's just one application that we're doing. Uh, there's many more things, but um, it, it would, uh, we have to do another show for that sometime. 
<laughs> Definitely. Uh, I'd look forward to doing that. Uh, and Dan, thank you so much for coming on tonight. Before you head out, uh, let people know if they're interested in your research. Uh, where can they find your website, social media, anything else like that? Yes. Uh, my notes uh, online that I share chronologically is at thewebmatrix.net, not .com, but .net. And uh, research with Dr. Vogel was marcelvogel.org. Uh, I'm on Facebook on uh, facebook.com slash uh, disclosure witness uh, for your DARPA lifelog uh, connections. And uh, <laughs> um, let's see. Um, yeah, this is the only reason I do these shows, Chris, is that we could have had a whole different world by now. We, we could have been to all the planets. Uh, we could have had free energy. The, the, the uh, world could be thriving uh, with these technologies that uh, not only in health, we wouldn't need these pharmaceutical companies that have uh, basically evolved out of IG Farben, out of Nazi Germany. Um, <laughs> you know, there is... Uh, you know, my great-grandfather was the president of a homeopathic medical society that was going up against Rockefeller back in the uh, early 1920s. Um, yeah, there was, there was a whole different uh, world that we could be experiencing right now. And I think uh, this great awakening is our key to, uh, you know, saying, hey, we're aware, we're, we're ready to change this. We know, we know what the story is. Very well said, and I agree, and I, and I hope you're right about, you know, the, that this war behind the scenes is going to really take out all the scum that's on the earth and give us a chance, you know, kind of pave the way for this free energy and all these technologies that we've been needing to, to have released from the public, you know? Everybody, everybody contributes to this, everybody in their own little way, you know, on social media, you know, talking to your friends and family, you know, all contributing to the collective awakening of this uh, and the more you base your research on 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 the facts that have been hidden uh you know you'll go one oh my god after another and you realize that uh what sounds like uh we've been fed science fiction all these years but what's uh what's really going on behind the scenes is far beyond any science fiction fantasy and it needs to be released for the good of everyone Definitely. And uh, thank you so much again for coming on. And like you said, we have a whole nother show to talk about with uh, your research uh, with Dr. Marcel Vogel. So we'll have you back on to talk about that. And you have a great rest of your night. I look forward, Chris. I enjoyed having, uh, having this great conversation with you.